opening comes from the book of Luke, chapter 11, verses 37 through 54. It's a fairly long passage. You can follow along on the screen in the Pew Bibles or in the bulletin if you'd like. This is God's Word. While he was speaking, a Pharisee invited him, invited him to dine with him. So he went in and took his place at the table. The Pharisee was amazed to see that he did not first wash before dinner. Then the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You fools, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? So give for alms those things that are within, and see, everything will be clean for you. But woe to you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and herbs of all kinds, and neglect justice and the love of God. It is these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. Woe to you Pharisees, for you love to have the seat of honor in the synagogues and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like unmarked graves and people walk over them without realizing it. One of the the lawyers answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us too. And then he said, Woe also to you lawyers, for you load people with burdens hard to bear. And you yourselves do not lift a finger to ease them. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets whom your ancestors killed. So you are witnesses and approve of the deeds of your ancestors, for they killed him, and you build their tombs. Therefore also the wisdom of God said, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and persecute, so that this generation may be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who perished between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, it will be charged against this generation. Woe to you, lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge. You did not enter yourselves, and you hindered those who were entering. When when he went outside, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile towards him and cross-examined him about many things lying and wait for him to catch him in something he might say. God's word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Thanks be to God. Amen. How does confrontation feel to you? (laughs) Can you think of the last time that you had a confrontation with somebody? Maybe it was in your home or your workplace. Maybe it was here at this church or out in the community. Confrontation, if you can picture the last time that you had it, or just confrontation in general, doesn't make us feel very good, does it? In fact, because we see it as a negative experience, we oftentimes avoid it. Maybe that's where the whole Minnesota nice kind of passive-aggressive thing comes from, do you think? Is that we don't actually say what we feel or we don't express our, our... deeper thoughts and feelings because we don't want confrontation. It's probably really at the core of, of all of that is, is trying to avoid confrontation because we see it as mostly a negative experience. When you have a disagreement with someone, when you get into a fight with them, uh, when you just argue, it feels just totally negative and you don't really see any good coming out of it. It's just not a good thing, so stay away from it. 
If you don't like somebody, stay away from them. If you get into a beef with someone who's close to you, a friend, uh, maybe you just kind of distance yourself from them. And sometimes in our closest relationships, we can work through it or just sort of uh, bury it under the rug, right? Confrontation in general, I think you get my point, is a pretty negative experience for us. And so when we think about Jesus, I'm guessing that if, if we were to share our uh, collective attributes that we think of with Jesus, uh, we might say loving, uh, totally accepting, really good teacher, doer of miracles. How many people here, if you were to list the attributes of Jesus, would say confrontational? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's meant to be funny. It's, uh, no, nobody, really, nobody would say uh, Jesus is confrontational because it's not what we like to think Jesus, it's not how we like to associate Jesus or think of Him. We like to think of Him as just accepting everything that's going on in our life and loving us unconditionally and never doing anything negative. But what we see in this verse, in this text, this passage, is Jesus being very confrontational. It starts long before this passage itself. You know, uh, we, get a, we get a clue that something's going on here, and I've pointed these things out to you before. Our text begins by saying, while he was speaking, a Pharisee invited him to dine with him. So that says that the Pharisee was, was sort of provoked by whatever it is that Jesus was talking about before this moment. And if you look back a little bit, Jesus had actually called the people who were listening to him evil, comparing them to Nineveh who was just known for being a corrupt uh, city. And so Jesus calls these people, just, you're just like Nineveh, you're evil. And then he moves on to talking about inner darkness versus inner light and encourages the people who are listening to uh, try and live with hearts of purity. And that gets the Pharisees' attention because really, for the Pharisees, that's what they're all about is purity according to the law. Deb was reading the, I intentionally chose this responsive reading to explain to you some of the key differences from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, some of the animal sacrifice and all these different rituals and traditions that the Jewish people engaged in. They were all about cleansing the human from sin because sin taints the human heart and God wanted us to understand that our sin has a cost. And so all of the animal sacrifice, all of the different rituals, which there's like over 600 in the Old Testament, all of them were to keep people's hearts pure before God, to keep them clean. And not in the sense that we think of, you know, like, am I putting hand sanitizer on, right? It's not in that sense of, are my hands literally clean from dirt and the coronavirus, right? It's more of the inner purity, And that's what Jesus was talking about, and he gets the attention of the Pharisees. The Pharisee says, why don't you come to dinner? And I think this is the first thing that we need to notice about Jesus, is that he knows that the Pharisees don't like him or won't like him very much, and he does not hesitate to sit at the table with them. How many of us could say that if if we knew that somebody didn't like us or even hated us, and they invited us to dinner to say, let's go to the lakes later, You'd say, yeah, absolutely, let's go. I can't wait to have that awkward conversation with you. (laughs) Jerry Lee. (laughs) Hey, I did not say Jerry Lee, Barb. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Are you saying that he would look forward to that? Okay, okay. Well, hey man, good for you. Good (laughs) Good for you. 
How many of us would do that, though, really, aside from Jerry Lee? <laughs> Not very many, right? Uh, we, like I said earlier, we tend to avoid confrontation, especially when we know that somebody's going to be really critical of us or question us. But that tells us something about what Jesus is willing to do for the sake of what He thinks is most important. And He already talked about that. He talked about the importance of inner purity. And so He's preaching on that and He gets this invitation. And you know, Jesus grew up uh, Jewish, so He knew full well the importance of hand washing before a meal. And if His hands were dirty, it's probably not like He said, oh, it's fine, I didn't touch any animals or anything like that. He knew exactly what He was doing. He was kicking the hornet's nest. He was rocking the boat. He was, an in, he was intentionally disrupting things because he wanted to call out the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And what is hypocrisy really? It becomes a really supercharged political word now in today's world, but it's really just a discrepancy between what you believe and what you're actually doing in your daily life. So Jesus intentionally rocks the boat and the Pharisee immediately responds. Immediately we read, the Pharisee was amazed. We don't read about what the words are. It doesn't say, how could you do that? But you know, you can tell if somebody's mad, right? <gasps> what are you doing? And Jesus then doesn't hesitate to correct the Pharisee. Say, so, you know, you Pharisees, you've just got it all wrong. You're so worried about how things look on the outside, but yet you're not paying attention to what's inside. And then Jesus goes into a series of uh, accusations of saying these are the specific things that you are doing and neglecting the things that really matter most. Let's pause there for a second, okay? Take a deep breath. I want to explain to you something, a really valuable tool that I learned uh, from my own personal life, but also through counseling, about confrontation. In counseling, they call it not confrontation, but carefrontation. Uh, because you don't confront somebody in the counseling session just because you want to win or be right in an argument or make sure that they hear your point. But you confront them because you notice a discrepancy in what they're saying they believe or what's important to them and how they're living their life. And you confront them because of love for the other person. Right? That should always be what our motivator is for confronting somebody. is not to say, you're wrong and I'm going to prove you wrong, but to say, um, I'm just noticing something here and I want to talk to you about it, but the reason I'm doing so is because I care about you. I love you. And what's important when you're doing this is then to present a way forward, an alternative to what's being done, and then express your commitment to it. So it's kind of a three-step process, okay? You first, and you can use this at home. If you get in a fight later today, use this. It works. First, say what it is that you don't like. I'm noticing this, whatever behavior. Uh, second, I would like to see us do this instead. Maybe you do the dishes instead of me all the time. <laughs> Gina does the dishes. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> and lastly, I'm committed to this. I'm very committed to this. I care about our relationship. I want to work through this. I'm here for you no matter what. See, now that gives the other person permission to respond in whatever way they're going to respond because you're expressing your love and commitment to them. I thought of this uh, kind of more secular idea as I read this passage because I read it and I said, this is exactly what Jesus does in the text. This is what Jesus does with his life. Jesus confronts the Pharisees 
in their sin. But see, Jesus does not hate the Pharisees. It's easy to think that he doesn't like them, that he's just uh, picking on them all the time. But Jesus actually confronts the Pharisees because he does care about them. He wants their souls to be cleansed. He wants them to be pure. And he says, if you focus on the things that are within, then all of your outside actions that you are obsessively worried about will actually be clean and you'll do the things that you're supposed to do. You'll seek justice. You'll love others because your hearts will be pure. So Jesus engages in a carefrontation, right? Isn't that beautiful? So what I love about Jesus is he says what's wrong. Okay, track, track this with me. He says what's wrong. He says, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. And then he cuts name calling. That's not really part of the carefrontation thing. Okay, <laughs> I think he's just trying to get his point across. You fools did not the one who made the outside make the inside also. This is where he presents a way forward. Okay? He's telling the Pharisees what to do. He's not just criticizing them for the sake of criticizing. So give alms those things that are within and see everything will be clean for you. Give alms is to be generous. We read in other parts of the Bible of just alms is generosity. So be generous in your attention, in your energy to the things that are within. And if you do that, then your outward actions will be pure. They'll be clean. So Jesus says what he doesn't like, and that's what we read in the rest of the passage, and he even picks on the lawyers. And I think if any leader in the Jewish world was there, he would have singled them out as well. Basically, anyone who is willing to challenge what Jesus is talking about, I think he would call out their discrepancy. Jesus, he calls out what is wrong. He presents a way forward. And the last thing that I would like us to see is that Jesus is fully committed to helping them achieve what he's suggesting, which is to have a pure heart. And you see, friends, what I said earlier, I'm going to say again, is that we are powerless to cleanse our hearts by ourselves. I wonder sometimes if uh, the Old Testament and all the sacrifice and all the rituals, all the 600 plus laws were not put there in the Old Testament by God to show us that we cannot make our hearts pure by our own power. We cannot defeat the evil that wages war on our hearts that makes us impure. That's what God knew. And that's why He sent Jesus. And we read it in the uh, responsive reading that Deb read, that Christ came and died as an atonement as a substitution for the the price of our sin. That cleansing our hearts is not cheap. There's a cost to it. That our sin actually has a negative consequence. And God is willing to pay that price. Jesus is willing to do it. So when we're baptized, we are reminded of the sacrifice that Christ made to cleanse us of our sin. That's why we use the water. That's why in Scripture and now today, we're, we're being cleansed of our sin But the work of that has already been done. That's why I don't like private baptisms. Because it's a celebration of the work that God has already done for all the world. Once for all is what we read in the the responsive reading. Once for all, Jesus died as a sacrifice for us to be able to have pure hearts before God. Jesus is committed 
to enabling us to live with pure hearts. He confronts the Pharisees. He puts out a path for them to follow. And then he expresses his love and commitment to them without question. Now at that time, they didn't know it yet. They would soon find out. What I want us to know today, friends, is that Jesus also confronts us in our sin. He's confrontational. He might speak in a loving tone. He might just gently bring your attention to it. But when Jesus proclaims truth, it hits us. And sometimes if we don't like the truth that Jesus proclaims to us in our life, we hide from it. Or we feel embarrassed, so we just try and pretend it's not there. It's the same as hiding. Or maybe we challenge what Jesus tells us and say, well, that can't be true. I don't like that. I don't like how that makes me feel. I'm doing the best I can. But Jesus confronts us in our lives. And He also presents us with a way forward. Jesus confronts us through, well, hopefully sometimes my sermon. right? But my sermon is an interpretation of Scripture. So Jesus confronts us through the proclamation of Scripture, through the interpretation of Scripture, which is a sermon. Jesus confronts us by promptings of the Holy Spirit within your life. You might call that your conscience. If you ever feel sometimes like, maybe I should forgive that person, or maybe I shouldn't judge other people who are just doing the best they can. Maybe I shouldn't be so angry. Maybe I shouldn't be jealous or prideful. Whatever it might be, Jesus will confront you by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Jesus can confront you in any number of ways. A conversation with Christian brothers or sisters. Or even a random person. Sometimes the Spirit can speak to us in that way. Jesus will confront you, but what I want us to understand is that He does so because He loves you. He doesn't want you to live with the consequences of your sin, whatever sin you're living with in your life, which we all have sin. He doesn't want you to live with the negative consequences of that. In fact, He wants you to have a pure heart, to be cleansed, to be free. Jesus will present you with a way forward, especially as you read Scripture, as you sit with God in prayer. He will reveal the steps for you. And Jesus will lastly remind you of His own commitment to this relationship that He desires. And if you ever forget Jesus' commitment to the relationship, remember your baptism and remember His work on the cross. That Jesus died so that you could be pure. So that you could stand before God one day and say, I am pure. I can stand in your presence. I can be accepted into your kingdom. Jesus died for you as a commitment to the relationship. What I want to leave you with today is a question of your response to Jesus' carefrontation, confrontation, if you, want to, if you want to be negative about it. okay. The Pharisees didn't like it. Okay? Jesus gets through all this and listen to how, how this ends. The Pharisees are confronted by Jesus and even though he uses strong words, so let's be fair about that. But he presents a way forward. So now, if the Pharisees understood the religion that they professed, they would say, you know what, Jesus, you're right. I am full of greed and wickedness. I'm going to go you know, pray about that and confess. But this is, what they, this is what they did. When he went outside, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile towards him 
and cross-examine him about many things, lying and wait for him to catch him in something he might say. Jesus confronts the Pharisees and even expresses a way forward in his own commitment to that way. The, the Pharisees' response is hostility and anger. I wonder what your response will be when Jesus confronts you. Maybe Jesus has confronted you today and saying, you know, there's part of your life that's incongruent with what you say you believe. There's part of your heart that's impure. And Jesus Himself can help you to cleanse it. The way we cleanse it, friends, is through simply confession. By spending time with God and allowing God to confront our hearts and then to say, God, even just to God, I'm sorry, God. Help me. Forgive me. Cleanse me of this sin. And God promises to, to forgive us every time. And that's what Scripture says. How we are cleansed from our sin is to confess and receive forgiveness. So sometimes it's helpful to ask for forgiveness from others. To confess to other people. And sometimes I do that uh, in a, a, a weekly meeting with other students online. We confess our sins to one another. We just share how our journey is going. Mostly I'm the one who confesses the sin, okay? <laughs> they don't want to go there yet because if we're honest, confessing sin is hard, right? We have to admit that we've done something wrong and we don't want to be judged. We don't want to be criticized because we're all doing the best that we can. But I can tell you from my own recent experience that when I confess whatever I feel is a sin in my life, whatever God is revealing to me, I feel like a, a a load is lifted off of my shoulders and I receive the love of God. I'm reminded of God's commitment to this relationship. And so friends, that's what I pray for you today is that if God confronts you in your life, then just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Learn the way that He sets uh, sets out for you because He will do that as well. Say, I'm sorry and receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that Christ died to enable Amen. So let's uh, spend just a a brief moment in prayer. We'll have a time of silent prayer, and uh, then I'll lead us in a group prayer. We'll close with the Lord's Prayer as well. But let's just reflect upon, you know, what what is God revealing to you right now in your life? Or is there something that maybe you've been avoiding? Maybe you've been running away from the confrontation of Jesus. But know that Christ is there to confront us with love. Let's pray. Jesus, we don't often think of you as confrontational, almost never. But Lord, may you remind us that you are confrontational, that you are passionate, that you are upset by the consequences of sin and that your desire for us is so much 
greater than what we most of the time accept as our reality. That God, you are constantly seeking to purify our hearts, to free us from the chains of sin, to free us from the negative effects of sin. So God, would you uh, give us the courage to stand uh, when you confront us, to accept the things that you're revealing to us, to respond uh, to whatever it is you lay before us as a path to take. God, increase our desire to know you, to communicate with you in prayer, to actually uh, read and, and soak in your truths through Scripture or, uh, or the truths of this that we hear in, during a uh, time of worship. And God, may you give us the courage to confess so that we can receive the forgiveness to be washed of our sin, receive the a pure heart whenever it is we feel like it's been tainted. And God, throughout the entire process, would you remind us of your commitment to this relationship? Remind us of your love for us, your willingness to go the unimaginable extra mile so that we could be in union with you. God, we pray all these things in your name and we pray the prayer that you